It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever dance with the devil in the pale light? I always ask out of all my prayers. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1989, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1989 from Truvy's Beauty Shop here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Iskov. And with us today is one of our favorite guests, Libby Hill. Libby, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. I Solo. Am, I know. All <laughs> yes. by myself. Can I also say that, that I'm... wasn't like the worst... I was just going to say, like, a movie that this is, and I hate to say this because it makes us seem terrible, but, like, feels like the first movie we haven't foisted upon you. (laughs) That's so true. I mean, because I think it's (laughs) accurate. That's so true. (laughs) That is just so... Would you say we foisted uh, Iron Giant upon you? Uh, Yeah, that was a trap. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, it was an emotional here. trap for I sure. Agree. That's we, for yeah. sure. Yes, yeah. 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 less and of a voice, even, more of a trap. I was like, <laughs> okay, this is going to be amazing. People fucking love this movie, and then I was like, oh, that's how I. Feel. <laughs> oh. That's. Can I just say, I went through a very similar. Like, I've never seen this movie before. So last night, I turn it on, and. I have this perspective of this film that it's this beloved movie that everybody loves. And then I go on to Rotten Tomatoes and I see it gets 68% from critics. And then I'm like, but then I watch and I'm like, I understand why this movie is loved, but I also understand why like critics might not be kind to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, No, I always, I always knew it was not. And I remember when I was young, cause like, 
this is honestly one of the movies that I've seen most in my entire really? life as evidenced by the fact that I haven't watched it in years. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. I haven't watched it in years, but as soon as I started, I could recite all of the lines along with, um, with the, with the characters. Uh, Cause it's just like in my bones. And then I realized yeah. like how many of the little, uh, bitchy things they say like i have incorporated yeah. into my le- like i i often will be like just shape it like a brown football helmet you, you can't <laughs> um but i i remember learning that it wasn't like a big hit like or like that it wasn't it was like, critically acclaimed yeah, and it wouldn't yeah. win all of these awards <laughs> like shocked shocked and even now <laughs> i went to back to check uh, and I couldn't believe it wasn't nominated for more just because of those supporting actors. Like the- I was surprised there. I, I, I actually, it, I had this weird dissonance as I was watching it because I knew, I mean, obviously Kenny and I have talked about the Oscars in 89 and like what was nominated. So I knew the nominees in my head, but then I felt like I had to go back again and be like, wait a second, with this cast... Well, only one of them gets nominated? The real, one that, the real one that's crazy to me is Sally Field. Yeah. Um, like that, I, I I don't get. Like I any I could. I mean, I get Julie Roberts obviously getting nominated. Sure. I get everyone else kind of blocking each other out. I don't get Sally Field not getting Best Actress. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, it's wild. It's wild. And and especially since like it's Sally Field and she's such a you know perennial like you know. Exactly, and she has but, the best yeah. speech. She does have a great speech. At, at, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wild. It's oh, the yeah. best wow. I've ever seen. I will yeah. say, wow. I will say that I was going through and looking and it seemed like everyone, all of the supporting actresses picked up an award or an, a nomination somewhere, but not Dolly Parton, which is yeah. wild because I think that might be my, my favorite performance in it. Well, Kenny and Who's I were texting best? about this a little bit that like, it's not really, a, I mean, it, it is a performance, but it is just kind of Dolly Parton being Dolly Parton. It and, is. And it's lovable than, and wonderful. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But in that sense where it's like, God, I, I do wish Dolly Parton was in my life running a mm-hmm. beauty salon. Like, it's not not Dolly, but totally. it's um, using that persona in, you know, in service of this character. I just think that her lines, like, she gets a lot of the best. Uh, she does. Quips. There's a. There's a there's a whole bunch of trivia and production stuff that I learned that we'll talk about as we go through this that I'm excited to talk about because a lot of it feels like kind of weird weird good stuff. But one of the things that I love is apparently after a bad take, the director Herbert Ross he started yelling at Dolly Parton and asked her if she could act. To which she said, "No, but it's your job to make me look like I can." I mean, That's Dolly. she's the fucking best. Yeah. She's the yeah. best. I mean, Dolly I, I is the best, there. but she's she. I I mean, I I said to Phil a few things. My all my takeaways are about Dolly. It's uh, <laughs> a few things. One is all right. I love Dolly like everyone else in the world, um, but until now, like I never really realized just how beautifully mellifluous her speaking voice is. Like she like it, yeah. it's not even the thing about Dolly that's so cool. Is she has she if she were a baseball player she would have five tools that are that all rank out at like ten yeah. because like she's you know what I mean like yeah. she 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 obviously like is a brilliant songwriter and a brilliant singer and a brilliant guitar player and she has this like 
world-beating personality, incredible style. And a humanitarian. Yeah. Humanitarian. She's obviously yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Like, yeah. she has all, like, all these incredible things going for her. And, like, but also to have, like, I think my number one favorite speaking voice um, it's just she's just so beautiful and calming and funny and has a perfect little rasp and like it's and you know it's it's weird because one thing I'll tell you I didn't I didn't love about this movie and I think Dolly is the one that really kind of you know puts an exclamation point on it. So you have mm-hmm. all these actresses who aren't southern doing their best southern accents, correct? And then you have Dolly Parton, <laughs> who's Dolly Parton. So yeah. it's like it's very it, it's like when you know it's like when you have like a bunch of different shades of like white, and you're like, well, okay. this one's white, you know, but the other this is off white and eggshell, and this is yeah. really a beige. Like I can tell the difference when you put them directly next to Dolly Parton that these women just don't sound like they're you know the well, same. But and then Julia rolls in with Violet, so it you know it, it takes all kinds. And like that, that's a huge testament, I think, to her star quality is that she has a terrible accent in this movie, and Julia. I think she's southern. Yeah, it uh, she's, comes and goes. she's she's number two for me. I'm on the, on the if I'm doing if I'm power ranking my southern accents, she's number two. I think really. Well, who's number two? I mean, someone <laughs> who delivers it consistently. <laughs> I'm talking about the six. I'm talking about the six main women. Who? who yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't hate Shirley MacLaine's. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. It was really yeah, good. It was She's done good. it before. She's been around the block when it comes to southern accents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that—that's the thing. Is like uh, Julia's still Olympia so good that I can like. Olympia really didn't even her. do one. Olympia Ooh, just was I, like, "I'm, I'm oh, here." Sorry, Olympia, a little bit, a little Olympia bit. Do no, 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 no. Southern, like, no, 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 not no. going to be able to pull that off. Her name's Olympia. Olympia, um, yes. There's also something great about. I apparently she um, she couldn't show up for the photo shoot for the poster, so they just uh, photoshopped another person's her head on another person's body. Olivia, because no, no Olympia, yeah, yeah. Olympia, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you see though in the poster how Shirley McLean's Shirley McLean's hair is completely different color than it different. is in the movie? It's just like natural. It's just they're just like, can you guys show up like six months after yeah, we did this yeah, and just yeah. yeah. It's great. It's like, great. Like, like Melissa Leo's The Fighter or Consider campaign. <laughs> and I just, I'm just exactly. a human. It's like it's oh, like an LA God. Times glamour shot. And they're just like, yes. yeah, I don't know, throw them on the cover. It's fine. You know, I think I also... That, it's just like sure. kind of a weird thing. They they The other time I remember them doing that was with um, Sling Blade, with Billy Bob Thornton, mm. where they didn't have his... his on the on the sure. uh, posters, they didn't have him in ca- in character. They had him as Billy Bob Thornton, as if like he was this guy who who was who was letting you in behind you know the, <laughs> behind the scenes. I'm just a normal guy who wrote this movie about this character. I can't um, wait till we get to our, to our Billy Bob '99 movie, Kenny. When we get to Pushing, pushing Tin, Tin, Pushing where Tin, where yes. he met Angelina Jolie, and we can uh, really just dive into all of that. I love Billy Bob. It's good stuff. What a guy. Um, I often get this movie confused in my brain with Fried Green Tomatoes, which is probably not a fair thing to do since they're very different movies. I wouldn't feel great about that. Um, well, <laughs> I don't know that I feel one way or the other about it, but like... Uh, I think a lot of people do because they are both, you know, ensemble women's movies, quote unquote, very large air Sure. And I um, believe that Fried Green Tomatoes also takes place in the South, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, where they serve fried green tomatoes, um, and so also totally. I think, and I also think fried green tomatoes is kind of you know 
skiing, water skiing in the wake yes. of this movie. Yes, for sure. You know, for it, sure. it's just very much. And I, I also think War Friday Game Schmidt is a pretty well regarded movie as well. But mm-hmm. uh, I would also put them in category in the category of movies Kenny wouldn't watch as a kid <laughs> because he was afraid it would immediately turn him into a woman. So I I think or gay. It's hard yeah. to say sure, which one sure. it would immediately happen when you put mm-hmm. on Steel Magnolias. Mm-hmm. So um, I I I say that uh, you know as a joke, but also not as a joke. I think that this is a real thing for movies like this that sure. men just won't even entertain them, won't even like acknowledge that they exist, or at least back in the you know late eighties, early nineties, a movie fronted by more than one woman was terrifying for a man, unless it was um Thelma and Louise, which was also pretty terrifying for men, I think. So I, I would also say too, part of that I think also has to do with how this was adapted, how the play was adapted, which is that there were no male characters in the play. Mm-hmm. So the adaptation to the screen, they obviously filled out the cast with male characters, um, some of which it's fare better Sam than Shepard. others. Sam Shepard doesn't w- seem thrilled to be in this movie. No, it's the character, <laughs> but no, I don't know some how of, I don't know how he ended up there. It's I don't uh, know it's a delight to see him. You know, and then he dates Julia Roberts was? in the Pelican Brief. Sorry, go. So you were saying some of which what? You were saying about some of the- which fare better than others. I feel oh, like okay. the male characters. I think that. I mean, I, I I would go as far as to say that that they're all pretty thinly drawn, and I, I don't say that as a, in a derogatory way. I think that the female characters, obviously, there are the main characters of this movie. Yeah, you go six, um, six deep on you know, yeah, exactly, well drawn right. so, female yeah. characters. But it, it's I, I just I found myself the the Sam Shepard who has I, I think basically like two and a half scenes um, is just a grump in all of them seems pretty despondent uh, and he has and he's married to fucking Dolly Parton like what do you have to be such a grump about actually for the first time I was watching that scene where she comes home from the festival mm. and I'm like holy shit is he depressed because it's, it's very much framed that's interesting as like it's very much framed as piece of shit husband which is fine it's the 80s um, but the, for the first time I was just like wait he doesn't have an interest in all of the things that they used to do he's obviously can't get work he you know that's very demoralizing and as much as she's like so I can support us like that's very demoralizing for anyone I think um, plus masculinity is weird and I have a great mass I have a great testosterone v estrogen story for this later on great. about me and my younger brother so don't want to forget that <laughs> I won't. Uh, but yeah it's it's um it, it you know but i think i'm probably reading way too much into it no you're not no, no you're i not. see i yeah. i mean when you when you say that it was sort of in the back of my head that that might be what was fueling this but then i kind of feel like it's i don't know if it's kind of undercut at the end with the with the chain that he somehow manifests uh <laughs> It, it's hard to it's hard to really glean, and and I, I I would say it's it's amplified a little bit by the feeling that Sam Shepard brings in general to his performances, which is sort of a you know grump kind of quality. So anyway, curmudgeon yeah. before his time. He is a little almost bit of a never, yeah. Almost seems like he never wants to be there. <laughs> um, but he was hot in '89. He was well, a pretty attractive the, guy back that's then. That's the thing. I do feel like I do feel like <laughs> some people just cast him because he was good looking, yeah, yeah. and not a bad, not embarrassing. The way the dude from um, the way the dude from uh, Always was embarrassing. Oh, sure, you know? sure. Brad Johnson. 
Brad Johnson. And always it's an embarrassing performance to have to watch. But but you put Shepard on a couch and he looks great. And, you know, he's not going to, you know, make you feel terrible that you're watching this guy who's so out of his depth. Are you um, glad we did always, Kenny? Because so we have a punching bag for every other movie a, in '89. Good to have a bad '89 movie here and <laughs> yeah. there. Um, I, I am, agree. I am glad. Yeah. So we have it, but we haven't released yet, have we? Folks? We haven't released it yet. Yes, we, will. we will. We will. It's gonna be day. great. Um, I'm gonna give a synopsis real quick just to get it out of the way. Um, I don't. Is it Malin? Is that how you say it? Okay, sorry. Malin, played by Sally Field, is the mother of bride-to-be Shelby, played by Julie Roberts, and friend of Truby Jones, played by Dolly Parton, who fixes the women's hair for the ceremony. They welcome a helping hand from aspiring beautician Anel, played by Daryl Hannah. Diabetic, Shelby has a health scare, which is averted, but does not bode well for her hopes of having children. Time passes, and the women and their friends encounter tragedy and good fortune, growing stronger and closer in the process. Steel Magnolia has opened on November 15th, 1989, in fourth place with $5.4 million behind Harvard. Harlem Knights, Look Who's Talking, and The Little Mermaid. It would go on to make Harlem Knights. It would go on to make ninety-six million dollars on a fifteen million dollar budget. It's got sixty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and eighty-nine percent from audiences. I think you can glean why the box office was as healthy as it was. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars. Says Steel Magnolias is essentially a series of comic one-liners leading up to a teary tragedy. But let it be said that the one-liners are mostly funny, and the tragedy deserves most, but not all of the tears. The principal pleasure of the movie is in the ensemble work of the actresses. They trade one-liners and zingers and stick together and dish the dirt. Steel Magnolias is willing to sacrifice this over the all, overall impact for individual moments of humor. And while that leaves us without much to take home, you've got to hand it to them, the moments work. Sort of a backhanded review, considering that it was three out of four stars. It was a little strange. It felt a little bit like, and I imagine this was, you know, the overall sentiment with the film of men not really knowing how to talk about this movie without seeming like assholes, I guess. I really don't know. I also think it's just something like, and this is what I find intellectually. Yeah. If I am looking at this movie that is basically a filmed version of a stage play, um, <laughs> uh, it, it intellectually, I should not like this. And that is how I feel. Like I, I tried really hard to become to it and be really critical and be like, I have to figure out if this is a good movie <laughs> or not. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't help it. I can't help <laughs> myself. Like I can't stop sure myself and i feel like for a critic it, what he what it sounds like to me with ebert is like he got to the end and he's like i don't why do i like this as much as yeah. i do yeah. when this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and yet it didn't matter like like they just they just can't make the math add up um yep. would be, can you I, walk yeah. us through your journey with steel magnolias mm-hmm. oh <laughs> <laughs> I love this. See, I'm really excited about 89 because I grew As up in a really, because uh, I grew up in a really small town. So, um, like 2000 people small. So, there were like one and a half places to rent movies in town. Um, it tapes. The biggest place was like it had a back room and like there were beams of or like these strips of wood on the wall and like the the tape cases would sit there. Uh, it's important to know that it, it was in a gas station. Um, <clears throat> so we would go in and, and we would rent things. And inevitably, um, I have four siblings, three brothers and a sister. Uh, we would go in and we would end up trying something new, but inevitably picking the same things every time. Here are the two movies that probably got rented more than any. Uh, one is 
Steel Magnolias, that's me. And the other is Rocky Four, and that's both of us. Me and my flick. younger brother. Yes. So it, it um, <laughs> so this is one I just always picked up. I always picked up. Um, I obviously didn't, I don't know when I started watching it. Um, it would have come out when I was like eight and a half. Uh, so it was probably a few, a few years later. Um, but then it was just like on regular cycle. And that was back when, Jesus Christ, I'm so old. That was back when uh, it was kind of expensive. As old as us. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say as old as us. It was yes. kind of expensive to buy v- oh, it was very. You, you couldn't you know. buy them. You couldn't yeah, buy them back exactly. then. Yeah. Like, this is going to be such a revelation for people listening. Yeah. You couldn't buy tapes. Like Couldn't buy whatever you wanted them. whenever you wanted it. Yeah, it was, yes. it was crazy. Wild. Wild. <laughs> we didn't even have a computer. Um, even if you went to a store. Yeah. You... you <laughs> Like it was, what did Best Buy yes. even have then? Like I have no idea. Walkmans? Hmm. I'll get back to that one. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. But there was something about this that 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 um I really responded to. And I think part of that is like I was I lived with teenage boys until I was like 20. Like like just like consistently there was a lot of testosterone in the house my sister was 10 years older than me so by the time this film had come out she was out of the house mm-hmm. um and my mom worked my, my parents worked a lot so like this was female like this was this was um feminine energy this was what i i thought like having a bunch of female friends was like and i i like coveted that um, it didn't have to be wide and expansive, this group. It was a very tight-knit circle. And, like, still now, I look at my friend groups. I'm like, yeah, I need, like, three. Like, like, like you just need this this little this little <clears throat> core and who will see you through anything. And then other people will come and go. Um, I don't know. And then, I, like, this, this started my love affair with Julia Roberts. Um, uh, she was my favorite actress growing up. Uh, she reminded me in some ways of my sister. Um, so there is a lot happening here. Um, yeah, but I, I, I love it. I have to tell you, I sat down, I started watching it. I cried in the beauty shop, like with Shelby's first attack. Like I couldn't, it's a fucking terrifying scene. I could not stop myself. I was like, I had just put mascara on and I was like, no, 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 no. I gotta be on camera. It's, it's a really, um, it's a really powerful scene. I might argue it's maybe the most effective moment in terms of really feeling her disease. And do you want to know why that is? It's scored with horror music. It is going to work. I never yeah. noticed that before. Um, yeah. The sound drops sense. out. Like yeah. you basically can't hear anything, but like this weird eerie. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. It gets, it gets like very underwater, but then the score comes in and it's just like that single note, like drone. Yeah. yeah. Her, it's also like her going white, the sweat starting. Like you just, it, it's as a person who has panic attacks, I, you know, had obviously a, a, some sort of affinity to not, uh, to feeling like I understood what was going on here, like that going white, feeling like you've lost control of what's going on. Yeah, the um, floor drops out. The floor drops out. I mean, Julia did a great job of conveying just like yeah. t- trying to convey concealing terror. 
um, which is uh, is really effective. I, I, I will ask, Probably. I have a couple questions, though, That uh, in terms of just sort of, is the theme of this movie, listen to your mother? Is that kind of one of the kind of overarching themes in terms of like, because Sally Field wasn't necessarily wrong. The the theme of this movie is um, there's no right way to live mm. your life. There's no, some people are going to live it and they're going to go after the things they want, mm-hmm. even if it ends up cutting off their life too soon. And that's okay because that's, that's with Shelby's path. That's how Shelby lived every day of her life. You, you, that was what you knew about the character and Malin uh, you know, Malin is a brown football helmet and, and she is managing the lives and the emotional labor of all of these people. Um, and so she put all of her energy into planning out everyone else's life. Uh, and so that's why that it was such a great betrayal when, when they wouldn't listen to her, um, even though that was the path she chose to take. Right. Uh, I don't think it is because I don't think Shelby, I mean, obviously adoption, obviously he'd buy him if he have to, um, <laughs> but it, she wouldn't have been happy. Like there was something right. very core to that character who wanted to do it. She wanted to do it the way that she did it. She didn't want to believe that she was limited in any way. And so to kind of take on her mother's concessions uh, or to, to, to abide by her mother's, rules would have just kind of killed her spirit and yeah it, it, it's not what it, she wanted it, presupp- it presupposes that her mother's vision for a successful life is correct right right, right. i think that she, i mean i think this is clear <clears throat> in the text shelby knew exactly what she was getting herself into you know this wasn't this wasn't some dummy going you know drunk driving to Coachella. This was someone who knew all the risks involved of what she was getting into and doing exactly what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the, I, I, I think one of the themes is you don't value a human life based on longevity. You value it based on what you did and what, you know, and, and, and how successful it was uh, on your own terms. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, I I mean, I think that that is. I think that's that's how that relationship, you know, is kind of meant to be viewed. After I also, you know, knowing the story of Robert Harling, the writer of the play and of the screenplay, I find it impossible to believe. And and I I know him. I did a project with him about oh, ten wow. years ago, and uh, I, I find it impossible to believe that that that's where he came down. Like that, that this well, was written from a place of. You know, if if my sister who, you know, his sister died from a very similar thing, you know, uh, complications after giving birth, um, complications after giving birth, she was diabetic. She had a son. That son was named after him. So um, he, you know, there's no way that I think the way he processed this was, man, I wish he had only not had this child. I think the way he processed this was, was. She did what she wanted to do, left us with this beautiful, you know, child that we now all of her shared responsibility on. I think the the best line and the and the moment that really the moment that really kind of hits home for me was when Julie Roberts called having your own child a little piece of immortality. 
That's mm-hmm. what it is, right? Like that's the way. Now I'm not saying that's the way it is universally for every, but that's the way she looked at it. So I, I don't. I just to be clear, don't disagree with either of you guys. I asked the question because there's a Atlantic article that was written in 2019. Um, yeah, I saw that. They're dumb. which. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to read a portion of it. Um, since its release three decades ago, Still Magnolias has been hailed as a celebration of women. In its 1989 review, Roger Ebert raged about the dialogue and camaraderie of the ensemble, which includes Dolly Parton, Rob, uh, Julia Robertson, Sally Field. There, are ba- there may be no movie that better uh, epitomizes the bond of female friendship. Huffington Post declared in 2014, mothers share the film with their daughters, teen girls, turn to it as a sleepover staple, and men of all ages find themselves taken with the tale of six brassy Southern ladies. Fans of Herbert Ross's movie, will, which played on big screens across the U.S. in May, and which is being adapted for the stage productions this summer, will recall the tragic central plot. A woman with type 1 diabetes, played by Julia Roberts, has a baby despite her doctor's warnings and dies a few years later. This premise rarely comes up in analysis of the movie's emotional power, but it should. Steel Magnolias is based on a true story. The screenwriter Robert Harling's sister died of diabetic complications after giving birth in the 1980s, shortly before Harling composed the original play and the film script. If the death of Robert's character cements the movie's status as a feel-good weepy, it also places the narrative within an uncomfortable American cinematic tradition, one in which individuals who reproduce against medical advice suffer terrible consequences. Of course, for many viewers, there's nothing inherently insidious about the film, which doesn't have the tone of a morality play, but those revisiting Steel Magnolias this year might consider how it fits into a long history of movies with patronizing outdated and sometimes eugenistic implications about who should and shouldn't have children. Listen, I'm not writing for this article. I'm putting it out there just to say, you know, this is the point of this podcast is to talk about all the nooks and crannies of these movies. And I think that it's a worthy thing to shine a light on to some degree or another. I don't necessarily agree with this, with this take, but I do think that um, this author of this reporter whose daughter is a diabetic and feels as though, you know, she wanted her child to obviously be able to do whatever she feels is whatever she wants to do. Um, I don't think that, I think that ultimately her reading of the film, I think is a little bit reductive, but I think that she's coming from it in a purse from a personal place of wanting to make sure that her child has the power to make the decisions that she wants to make and not feel guilty about those decisions. She does. I don't know. I mean, that that's, that's, I don't, I don't see the connection. I just really don't see the connection between uh, a man processing his sister's death through art, which you're allowed to do, that piece of art fi- becoming, well, the play was very critically successful. So becoming critically successful and commercially successful as a movie and a play and becoming a classic. Uh, again, it's not his responsibility, or in this case, I would say even the responsibility of TriStar or anybody else's to show anything other than... Um, this person, him, and I guess uh, you know Herbert Ross and the, the the other collaborators on screen and behind it, their vision for this this movie. You know, furthermore, I mean, I I you know I also my best friend growing up was diabetic. Like I I had the same I had the same reaction watching this movie, which was you know I know what my best friend can do, which is basically fucking anything. Right. Like basically fucking anything. Um, I also know that like, you know, he's had seizures. And I also know that that there have been periods of time where he couldn't go certain places or he's wound up in the hospital. So I, 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 yeah, I don't really see how this movie um, 
is making any bigger comment. And I don't even think the, and this is where very loosely, the cult of this movie looks at it that way either. And then the other point about it fitting into the uh, who give birth under medical advice, suffering dire consequences. Were there other examples of that? Because that's what I was wondering. I, I don't feel like that is a huge um, trope within commercial art. Obviously, I wouldn't be as sensitive to it. So obviously, someone who who it directly impacted the li- their lives or or the lives of someone they love um, would be uh, more familiar with that. But I, it would have been great to see examples, I guess, uh, further examples to that. I mean, I think the other, the other movie that is alluded to in this article is Terms of Endearment, um, which was another sort of, now whether or not her condition was directly correlated to the pregnancy or to what I, I, I don't know. Listen, guys, I didn't write the article. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> merely just stuff. saying that, that this it. article exists and that it was a, it was a standpoint that I haven't heard about this film before. And I thought that that was worthwhile to, uh, to express to our listeners. I think that, you know, um, I, I'll say on the medical front for, for what it's worth, um, I was surprised by how much they breezed through the end portion of, of Julia Roberts' life, um, or her character's life, that is. Um, I, I mean, had I not done reading up on the film, I'm not sure I would have even known what she died of. Like, they talk about how she had some kidney failure. They talk about, but they don't talk about, like, the actual end-of-life portion of this that, that they had, you know I mean, that, that, which I was surprised about. Now, admittedly, my guess is that they felt at the time that less is more and that they don't necessarily need to tell us those things. I think today, with, with perhaps as the audience is being a little bit more, I mean, I don't know, watching, you know, 15 years of Grey's Anatomy and ER, I'm sure that to some degree or another, some of those things would be explained. But it was just it was just interesting to me that that they kind of really I mean I, I watched it with my roommate who also had never seen it and we were both like whoa whoa that's it like we're done <laughs> it was just a, it was a little surprise the movie moves like it, it goes from one event yeah. to another like yeah. you have one scene and new information is is yeah. is introduced something mm-hmm. a new development has happened there's not a lot of downtime the most downtime is probably at Shelby's wedding uh, when <laughs> yes. they make time for the elaborate dance numbers. Uh, yes. Which I appreciate. And, As do and I. Shrimp oil and, and yeah. all of that. Those, the, the local color things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got an amazing guess, sense of place. It really does understand itself. It, I, I, as for the, as for the end of life stuff. Um, yeah. Obviously it's hard for me to, to theorize on this, having seen it so many times, sure. but I think uh, it was a movie from the eighties we all knew where we were going. Like, we all knew <laughs> this was ending in a cemetery. Um, yeah. How we got there was less it, important. Yeah. You know, a, a, a little not 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 even important, but it, it's interesting to hear that feedback because um, it's not something I've I've thought of before. But again, the beats of this film are like in my bones, so I sure. I, I couldn't. I, I don't have any distance from that. I I mean, I'll, I, it's. Just to be clear, I didn't find it any less effective, right? Yeah, so all, all things being equal, you, you 
they, you know what I mean? They quote unquote got away with not telling me stuff. So ultimately, does it really matter? Which is, I imagine, what the various executives and director and all those people thought. You know, we can get, we know where we're going. Let's just get there. Um, the, the, the other piece of information that I found, um, I guess a little surprising is that the nurse who turns off the life support on Shelby is the actual nurse who turned off the life support for the writer's sister, um, for, for, uh, Bob Harling's sister, um, which is a lot. (laughs) Um, not really sure what to take away from that, really. Uh, I think it's probably a cathartic way that he worked through what he was working through and that's all good. And I think. Yeah. It's, well, it's, what are you going to do with that? But I, <laughs> I'm I, just saying. I think the thing that I'm kind of more interested in, in terms of where this falls, I think you have three. You have these three major tent poles in terms of these female ensembles, mm-hmm. um, terms of endearment. This and uh, fried green tomatoes. And all three of these movies are basically about a woman dealing with her daughter's death. And why is that? Like, what is that thing that really seems to connect? I never saw this as a kid. This is my wife, one of my wife's family's like movies. And they've, I don't know if Libby, you've kind of gone through the Rubicon with it, but they've gone to through the rug on the point where everything is funny, right? Like, you know, I knew Shelby get the juice because, or Shelby just drink the juice because they would say that to each oh, other yeah. all the time. Drink your because juice, they've, it's Yes, it's over. Like, it's like, it's like now it's like, like you're saying it's in your it's bones. Ch- it's, it's crossed over into some other yes, thing. Into yeah. just Shelby drink yeah. the juice. Like I told Laura, I was watching this movie and she texted me, Shelby drink the juice. So, <laughs> um, so, I never watched it as a kid. I'm watching it from the perspective of a of a parent. Mm-hmm. And the thing that strikes me, and also, you know, I did watch Terms of Dearman as a kid and didn't get it. But the, the thing that's, that, that these movies seem to be about to me is coming to grips with the fact that, like, when you have a child, it's over. Like, they're, they, you do not make the rules anymore. Like, you... You fall completely in love with this person who could die, um, and you and and they could die for you. Know, they could make their own mistakes, or some crazy thing like cancer could take them, or or anything can happen. But that's a very vulnerable position to be in. Sure, you know, at least with like sure. uh, at least with a pet, you generally are the one controlling where this thing goes uh, and what this thing does and eats and drinks throughout most of its life. So it is brutal when a pet dies, but at least they're not dying because they told you to fuck off and they're taking the keys, you know, high on meth. So, you know, I think, wow, that escalated quickly. Yeah. My, my pets do. My, my, (laughs) I don't know if that's going to be my pet, but like, you know, it's a similar thing. That's the only other relationship where I feel like you fall so in love with something immediately and you're so vulnerable, you know? So, I I mean, I think that um, I I haven't seen Fried Green Tomatoes maybe all the way through. And if I have, I don't remember. So I I can't speak to that film. But I'll speak to just Terms of Endearment, which I've seen relatively recently over the last couple of years and this film. Um, And I I do think that uh, both of the all four of those performances. And by that, I mean, Sally Field, Julia Roberts, 
uh, Shirley MacLaine and uh, Deborah Winger are all incredibly well-drawn performances. And the, the yin and yang of the mother-daughter dynamics, the way that they, they see how you see pieces of themselves in each other. I mean, they do a really beautiful job of, of making those characters feel incredibly three-dimensional. Um, and, and the helplessness that the parents feel, I think, is what you're sort of referring to, Kenny, which is that, like, there's only so much you can do, right? I mean, this this thing is alive because of you, um, and then it, you know, it can take your advice or not, and then you're, and then, then what? I mean, then you're just sort of hoping that good things happen rather than bad things happening. Um, it, it's, and, and I would have to say, too, that the speech that we referred to earlier, the Sally Field speech in the cemetery, which apparently at least from what I read, she did in one take, which is insane. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it's the, it's the, the one take with her, with no one else around. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about, the, the big monologue that she gives. Um, I'm not the biggest Sally Field fan in the world. I just have to put that out there. That I, 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 there are performances of her that I really like. <clears throat> I'm surprised. But by and large... Sorry? I, I'm surprised. I, I find her kind of cloying. Um, and uh, it, it's... I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than the fact that I think she's, I, I can tell she's a superb actor. Um, she's very good in that, that one scene that we're talking about, but it's also like, <laughs> that's the pure Sally Field off the chain, pure heroine Sally Field. And it's a little bit too much for me at times, but I understand why people love it. Phil, I have respect for this take, even though I disagree with it completely. <laughs> but I have respect for you, like coming after one of America's sweethearts. That's that's I'm not, that, I'm not kidding. That's not that is not a typical Iscove move. But uh, I, I strongly disagree. She's one. She, she's one of my favorites ever. Um, but uh, but hey, that's cool. I, I it's I know that I'm in the minority. I know that a lot of people love her. Um, I, I I think that. I don't. I don't know what to say other than the fact that there's just something about. Also, her ER, uh, her arc on ER drove me absolutely bananas. No, um, I figure out how many Sally Field movies because I'm like, no, I love Sally Field, but I'm like, wait, why? Yeah, I mean, there's Norma Ray, which I've never seen, but everybody loves it, and I yeah, should watch great. it someday. Uh, Places in the Heart, which I've never seen, but she I'm won her first Oscar for it, and I, I've heard she's very good in it. Obviously, she's 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 Mama Gump, which is where everybody sort of, I think. Oh. You know, uh, and she's Look, she's I, good. I don't, I don't. I don't know. Finish that sentence for everyone. Sort of what? I think that everyone kind of another generation fell in love with her. You know what I mean? I think. Well, I just think that because I. That's speak, what I'm saying, Libby. I didn't know what he was going to say because I don't know what I don't know what the what the consensus takeaway from that performance is. I thought people kind of turned on her for that performance, but see, I think I mean, listen, if you're a fan of Forrest Gump, which I don't know if all of us on here are, I think I speaking for myself, I go through varying degrees of liking and not liking that film. It changes almost daily, but back when it came out. I didn't really love it and, and I didn't love that performance, but I did feel like a lot of my friends who did love that film loved her performance in it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I can't believe Phil just totally glossed over Smokey and the Bandit. Like, I did just, my apologies. My apologies. Just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I think part of it is this, like, is that I was very young when she was, when her ascension was happening so my first big probably connection to her is Forrest Gump. And that's probably not the best place to like start your Sally Field introductions. But 
I just want to come back to Steel well, Magnolias. Poor, poor yes, Sally Field. I want to say something. Poor Sally. <laughs> oh, In defense of Sally, I'm not like I don't have my knife sharpened I, for this person. I think she's. Well, I, I know she's supremely talented. Okay, this okay. isn't. This isn't about you not liking her. I think she can withstand <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> she's gonna be this, in the LA Lakers show too. She's, she, that was announced today. This is oh, was it? Who, who's she playing? Yeah, she's playing uh, one of. She's playing John C. Riley's mom, I guess. She's playing whoever. What? He's playing some basketball player, and she's playing his mom. I no, guess. I think I think I think I read he's playing Jerry Buss. Yeah, um, she's playing his mom. Oh, Jerry Buss is the owner of the team. Oh, sorry. Um, oh my God, Phil. My apologies. I, so, I don't know. I don't know anything about this Jeannie, project. Jeannie Buss is his daughter. Daughter, okay. Yeah, current she and the current owner. All right. Okay. Um, but she are so basically the, the thing that I feel bad about for Sally Field okay. is Sally Field uh, won two Oscars. Obviously, uh, you like me. So you really like me. Well, I, she never actually said that. But um, she never did. Did she really say you like it. me? You really like me? No. What did she say? She said you like me, right? Don't you listen to the? Don't you listen to the the um little I've gold seen the podcast? They, she they says, says the she says it twice though, right? She yeah, says you like me. You like me. You like me. You like me. No, right. Right now you like me. Okay. Um, which is true. They like her, and so she went for Nora Ray, and she won for uh, Plays in the Heart, and she was in Smokey the Bandit, of course, and the sequel, and Absence of Mouse, which is a great film. She was in all the Punchline, Steel Magnolias, all these films, Soap Dish, where she is the lead. And then Uh-oh. some genius just hold on. I think we I was lost gonna Libby. sneeze. Oh. And then the second I turned my video off, it- I'm sorry. I didn't mean to no, cut no. you off, Kenny. No Go worries, ahead. no Keep worries. Going. Then some genius decided she should play um <laughs> the uh the miserable housewife. Well, she wasn't a housewife, but the miserable wife of Mrs. Doubtfire oh, in right. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. And that is when someone decided that's when her career then she was everyone's mom at that point. I then guess. she yeah. was she was fucking like 45 and yeah. now she's everyone's mom she's playing old mrs forrest gump at 45 she's supposed to play like 100 um they were in punchline then, together which i just realized now which is yeah when weird. they were like yeah. love interest yeah like they were basically yeah, exactly. it's ridiculous. so uh so then from then on like she's doing like tv movies she's doing like one-offs on tv shows uh even in, she did the the arc and er then she did brothers and sisters for five years like this is not how we should be treating our sally Fields, we lost. We lost. Like oh, we lo- the the decade where like you now have Reese and Nicole Kidman and all of these people like doing their best work. That's when we were giving her mama gump, eye for an eye, where she like fights Kiefer Sutherland, and we stuck her on TV on, on TV shows and you know TV shows back then. That's I mean that's why you hear Nicole's what- and 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 Reese's saying like. This is yep. brand new. Like we didn't used to have knew, roles for yes. women this age. You, you know, it sucks. But she is probably one of that last generation where there was just nothing after forty-five. Uh, well, the th- yeah, unless and you the, aged up. And the thing that that uh, that Nicole and Reese and so many Charlize Theron, so many others are doing, they're producing, right? So they're they're making a point of saying, all right, well, if there are no roles for us, we will conceive of them and bring on the screenwriters and the TV writers to to help us figure them out, or our producing partners, et cetera, et cetera. But she probably had a tough time, even you know, oh yeah, working through that system because it was kind of there with like Mary Tyler Moore, but that was a TV thing. With so, two Oscars. With two. Fucking Oscars! Unbelievable. I, I so it's I not feel her bad fault. Now. It's not her fault, Phil, <laughs> that you don't like her. Is all I'm saying. It's <laughs> Hollywood's fault. They hold, did. Hold her on a second. 
I just to be what I expected this podcast. This, <laughs> I just want to say that right now. Like this it is nev- I never is, right? We we're gonna have like a like a like a throwdown over. I just want to be abundantly clear to our listeners here. I think Sally Field's a tremendously talented person. Okay, I am not. I'm not slagging Sally Field. So I just glad think you on the defensive on this. Sometimes Sally Field. <laughs> Field tips into cloying oh, and can I don't annoy want me. Sally Field to die. God, I never said that. <laughs> um, so I want to ask another question here, since we're on the Sally Field <laughs> no, tip, and we might as well. We might as no, no, come on. Well, for you, do we buy that Sally Field is old enough to have a daughter that's Julia Roberts' age? I did the yeah. math. Me too. Okay, she was nineteen. Okay. Yeah, no question. Oldest child, she would they she would have been nineteen, and she's definitely okay. in that generation. All right. All got right. married right out okay. of college and started yes. having kids. There's Bill, no I immediately did the same thing you did. Oh, oh, I don't know. Okay, good. It sounds like you didn't do it, but me and Libby <laughs> did it, obviously. But well, we immediately I mean, went and got the ages and made sure that this checks out because they like, do kind of seem of the same generation. Well, Sally Field was told she was too young to play the role, and then apparently said, I have a child who's 22 years old. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they give her the role. <laughs> I just think it's amazing. Well, she doesn't. I hope she never did. <laughs> I no, do too. She didn't check up on it. it I do too. It was hard back then. They didn't have Google. Yeah. Well, and then she did the inverse for Lincoln, which is that Spielberg said she was too young to be, and she's like, hold I my beer. Is 22. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it worked, but <laughs> but she was like, "Oh, okay, good, good, cool." Yeah. <laughs> there's a bunch of instances. I mean, there's there's no good things written about Herbert Ross in this film. By the way, like the entire cast has gone off the record for many years, being like he was a monster. He yelled at all of us. He made Dolly. He made us Julia Roberts cry several times. Like just unnecessarily mean. Um, but apparently, when Daryl Hannah came in for the audition. He said she was too attractive. So then she like, I don't know, fucked up her hair and put on some glasses. And then he was like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, she publishes all that. And yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's like, who's that, who's that ugly broad on the set? <laughs> I will say that when I was a child, I she was unrecognizable to me. Like I had watched the movie like 10 times. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck? That's Daryl Hannah? <laughs> That's, she has She's legs. very good in this. Yeah. Mm. Um, she is so cute. Uh, yeah. they, she's just so cute in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting they start the movie on her. I didn't necessarily. I, I still don't really necessarily understand that because we definitely don't see it through the eyes of the newcomer. Maybe no. Truvies, maybe the the shop you see mm-hmm. in the beginning. But once yep. you know Sally Field and Julie Roberts come to the story, it's their story. But um, yeah, there's I, a nice I, bookend like, to it though. I mean, her yeah. delivering and then like there's something nice there. But I hear you. It doesn't. It's not really her yeah. story. She kind uh, of, but I really do story. love her. I think you know another person that we kind of did wrong. Yeah, I feel like she got a little. I mean, after Kill Bill, I feel like that was a little bit of. But but I agree with you. She Kill never, Bill was the Kill Bill was was you know Quentin doing a Robert Forster work. Yeah, she had been yeah. gone for years before she's that. Great in Kill Bill too. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. She's awesome. Um, I I, I want to talk a little bit about the play component of it because the it, it, this movie is. Kenny and I, have, we've covered a couple, I don't know about a couple, but the one that comes to mind is The Big Kahuna, right? Which is yeah. that we've done plays to adaptations that have gone to the screen. And more times than not, they feel like they just propped up a camera and just filmed a play. This doesn't feel like that. No way. And yet at the same time, you can see the bones of the play in it, but in the best possible way. There were, there were moments. Uh, there were any time 
everyone was in one room. It was very much shot like a play. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of that early beauty shop scene when when Julia comes out of her chair, like, my reception, my reception. Um, it's the worst line delivery of all time. And, like, I felt my inner Herbert Ross being like, oh, we're going to have to take that again. Like, that's... That no one Herbert has ever Ross. said that like that. Ever. No one's spoken like that. Before. No, that's that's not. I mean, it's community theater in uh, Santa Fe. Like, oh. like it's, <laughs> not, it's not good. And then she immediately does the. It's very choreographed. Like I, like you're gonna find in a play. She comes around because it's a, it's a small space. But at the same time, I like things like that because in the beauty shop, we're definitely playing kind of in the round. If you're there's yes. a moment where we're watching Julia in the chair, Dolly's doing her hair, and you can see in the background, in the mirrors, because there's so many mirrors in there, you can see uh, Daryl Hannah doing Malin's hair. And, like, they're literally, like, it's just, yeah, she's holding her hair back. They're putting the thing on. Um, and it's so it, it then feels there. So there are moments which I, I think are attributable to um just little things that that reminded me that it was a play, but at the most part, like there is great depth in um, mm-hmm. the world building. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From, I think, a play. Totally agree. I think you, as you, as you may or may not know, the play took place entirely in the beauty shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have two options. You can almost do what you're talking about, film, just point a camera in there and make a point of saying it's a film play. Like there was that movie, um, Carnage, based on the film, based on the play mm-hmm. God of Carnage, which basically mm-hmm. takes place in an apartment. And they did that. You know, that basically what it was is you didn't leave that apartment and you maybe there was like one scene out in the park, but it was stupid. And, uh, you know, that's one way to do it. And Big Kahuna kind of does that, too. Right. Big Kahuna, you pretty much stay in that uh, hotel suite. Um, It almost seems to me like, you know, Harling just started from scratch here. I agree. Um, And you almost had to. And it was important. I think you did, because this version of the South is seen through the eyes of women First of all, you get New Orleans, which like you always want New Orleans when you have a chance to do New Orleans. But second of all, like it's it's not obvious and apparent to the viewer exactly where you are. This isn't a place that gets, you know, where, where a lot of things get set. So I think you do have to kind of start from scratch. And I think they did a great job of building out the world beyond, you know, the mise-en-scene. Like the shooting of the guns birds. Yeah. in the, the birds, the guns, scared, shooting the guns at the birds does, says to me – and no one thinking it's like dangerous, just a little annoying. 
says to me we're in a place that is unlike anywhere I've ever lived before. Yeah, um, and then the escalation with the firework, uh, with the yeah. firecrackers, with the crossbow, the, the crossbow. Like at, <laughs> yeah. yeah, number one, there's a crossbow. Gotta get in those garage, birds. Uh, I might get a crossbow. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, no, there, there is, um, there. I've never like stopped, the, and that's the thing. That's why I love coming on this show. Uh, theoretically, this is the only time I've been on for a movie I like. But theoretically, <laughs> I like coming on the show because it, uh, it forces me beyond just I love this. Um, and it, it, it forces me to be like, but why do I love this? And, um, mm-hmm. and it, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of the time. It's the intangible things that, um, I haven't ever stopped to appreciate. So thanks always, for saying that Libby. Nice. Oh, we no. make you feel good. That's great. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think that, you know, to, to, um, to hit on your point about the sort of the the three dimensionality of it, you know, obviously we've all been to plays and plays are great, but you know, for the most part, it's pretty it's pretty static. And I think that the camera work is pretty subtle in the way that it works. You know, the the various spaces. I agree with you, Kenny, that that Harling clearly blew open the world, yeah, and really yeah, wrapped his arms around uh, around the, the you know the entire city and its inhabitants, and it, it's it's. It's a very well-made movie. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's definitely of its time. Obviously, to some degree, there are some things that are dated about it, but um, it, more more fashion and sort of things like that. But but yeah, it's the hair the, that, yeah. that 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 you the know hair, some man. some things are coming back and some things never will, and that hair never will come back. I'm just thinking what? about the. I'm just thinking about the visual, like the visual. I, I don't know these these very like iconic visuals. The car trunk full of eggs. Oh the, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The, Great the image. Festival. The with the shrimp boil. The mm-hmm. it, it, the entire wedding ordeal. Like it just it just places you so strongly in a time of year, in a time of place. Um, it's just really, uh, and it's doing all of that without talking about how it's doing mm-hmm. it. Like there are. It's not the point that it's Easter. It's not the point that, you know, and Christmas is, it's, it's, um, oh God, I can't do words right now. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's all good. I mean, I think that, you know, that, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a coincidence. Yeah. I I don't want to, I don't want to, um, gloss over Herbert Ross though, who was a dick because he's a guy (laughs) who I really didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we do these these movies, and you see a name you don't really know, and you look up their filmography, and this was the only thing they did, or they did this in a couple other things, or TV, or whatever, or whatever. That's not the case with Herbert Ross. Herbert Ross uh, is somehow, I think, lost to history, despite like uh, a couple of bangers. Yeah. A, well, bangers in quotes, <laughs> like right, like I like movies you've heard of, but movies sure. no one is telling you to watch, right? For instance, like he did The Sunshine Boys, he did Funny yep. Lady, he did The Turning Point, which was nominated for eleven Oscars and didn't win any. He did mm-hmm. The Goodbye Girl, which was um, Richard Dreyfuss's Oscar, and correct. I love, that. He, I love that movie. He did. I mean, the the one movie he did aside from Still Magnolias that I think people are still like, you got to watch it is Footloose. Um, it has a very I, similar I, vibe to this. I got I got to write. Evan, I watched After it recently these, during the pandemic. I really loved it. 
This and after this, he did that. He did Soap Dish, which is a pretty good movie. Oh no, he didn't. He was executive producer. He was in. So, um, so he did True Colors and Boys on the Side was his last movie. Yeah. He's a guy who I who had a you know he started as a choreographer. He had a fifty fifty plus year career. Uh, He had a almost thirty year career as a very successful commercial director working with big stars, and he's kind of lost to history. That's kind of interesting to me too. The other thing that I, I think is interesting that that I picked up because I got real fast. I was very fascinated with this guy. He was, <laughs> he was married to a ballerina who died of cancer, mm-hmm. and right before this movie was shot, I think in '87. So this is obviously a very um, a very sensitive project yeah. for him. He went up to marry uh, Lee Radzowell. Do you know who that is? Radzowell, no. Jackie O's sister. Oh. So he married her after, I think the ballerina's name was Nora, Nora something, Nora Kay. Uh, Nora Kay, yeah. And uh, what she said, which I want to do something about one day, is that he never got over his first wife. That he always felt, that she always felt mm. like, you know, he still pined after his first wife who died and that. So I, I, I'm going to give him a little bit of a, let's give the guy a little pass. We all kind of process in our own way. And he might process by, by bullying a bunch of you know, women actors on the set of his movie where someone dies just like his wife did. <laughs> I want to, um, I I'm mean, not like, no, look, look, I'm I not know. giving him a pass. I was kidding. I'm I know. Kidding. I know. Uh, I, I want mean, to talk about the casting. Me the face. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's giving some stink eye right now. Yeah. Um, no. I, I want to talk about the casting. They've been muted. <laughs> I will not be silenced. I, I want to talk about the casting real quick for a second. Um, th- so there's a couple interesting stories that I read. The first, I, I posted about this on Twitter, but that Meg Ryan was under contract to play Shelby. They let her out of the contract in order to play Sally and When Harry Met Sally. Um, that which turned out better for everyone. For everybody involved. Uh, Winona Ryder was also offered the role of Shelby, but the producers felt uh, that she might be too young for the part. Um, How old was she? I mean, she was pretty young 14. back then. She was like twelve. Like twelve was. Yeah. I mean, well, no, she's probably she's probably I'm, sixteen or seventeen, maybe eighteen. No, she's she's probably just about old enough to maybe pull it off. She was um, but Winona uh, and Winona does seem like Sally Field's daughter. That is the one thing that, like, kind of, I'm like, you put those two in profile next to each other, like with their faces close there. There's no genetics there. Scarrett. I like, I mean, but you have Scarrett coming in. You got some Scarrett mixed in there. You got some Scarrett. I I can see Julian Scarrett. I mean... Big scare guy over But the here. Winona the Winona thing is interesting. The other thing that I read, which I thought was interesting, is that Betty Davis saw the play oh, on like Broadway that. and thought it would be a great film. She envisioned herself as uh Wisa and Catherine Hepburn as Claire and Elizabeth Taylor as Truvy. And she actually looked into the rights and apparently the movie adaptation that you know, Tristar was like, We're looking for younger people to play these roles. But uh, which is mean but like do you imagine that coming out in the late 80s can you imagine that movie it would have been unbelievable like those just stone cold legends on the screen for steel magnolia would have been pretty amazing it would have been like the avengers like like the midnight showings like it's the new it's the new rocky horror (laughs) yeah Um, yeah yeah I i don't it's a lot to process, but it's, I mean, it's, I, I, I think it's just interesting. First of all, it just goes to show, like, obviously, um, Hollywood was done with these people, unfortunately, by this point. And they got we Sally Fielded. Yeah. They got Sally yeah. Fielded. Um, I do think it's weird that Julie Roberts and Sam Shepard are, they date in the Pelican Brief, like, four years later, which is kind of funny in a weird way, where Julia does her Southern accent again. 
for the cheap seats. I don't know. Whatever. Um, uh, apparently, Herbert Ross wanted an authentic feel for the hospital scene, so he hired all the doctors and nurses who tended to Susan Harling. So everyone in those scenes is... And, and perhaps this is why there isn't much dialogue. It's possible that he was just like, well, you know... They get it. That's like Synecdoche, <laughs> New York. That's some some. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing, man? It's like layers. It's meta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I want to just kind of there isn't a. I mean, there is plot. We should breeze. I want to kind of hit some of the major points of of the plot. But can I just can the, I just interrupt this one this one point? Please, please. She was born and raised in Georgia. How Julie Roberts, I saw that too. Yeah. That. <laughs> How, it, it's like it's true. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a thing. There's something I've watched where uh, one of the characters, oh, uh, 30 Rock, where Jenna always speaks with a British accent, um, despite. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just one yeah. of those. Uh, yeah articulation yep. things i okay plot yeah so we basically we open on uh anel who's this shy awkward beauty school graduate she moves to northwestern louisiana um and she's hired by truvi played by dolly parton to work at her home-based beauty salon um meanwhile uh malin eatonton 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 Sure. Uh, and her daughter, Shelby, are busily preparing for Shelby's wedding uh, that's being held later that day. Um, Claire, played by Olympia Dukakis, the former mayor's cheerful widow, arrives at Truby's to have her hair done as well. Clary. Clary. Sorry. Clary. Okay. Part of the problem is the way that these names are spelled. On top of them Absolutely all feeling like they're from ridiculous. another planet to me. But then I'm also like... Clary? Is that how you spell Clary? With two E's? Yeah. yeah Everyone knows that. Who can say? Uh, Dylan McDermott has not aged a day since 1989, apparently. He looks basically exactly the same. Uh, and uh, Tom the Scarrett... Guys don't age, Phil. Guys don't age. Uh, Tom no, no, Scarrett, who, who plays Malin's husband, Drum, also a name <laughs> I've never heard of. Is that a name for a person? That's an it's instrument. I have no idea. I assume. I assume... <laughs> These are bad names. Okay, okay. As long as we're on the same page. They're wrong names. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's true. I agree. I agree. You know, it's like in a in Schitt's Creek. Um, <laughs> I I can't handle that the character's name is Mutt. Like that's just it's too much for me. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I, fair, drum is fair. a lot. Drum yeah, is a lot. Drums a lot. I, yeah. Um. So then Shelby has her, her type 1 diabetes. She has a hypoglycemic attack, which we mentioned. Great scene. Very well done. Very upsetting. Kind of triggering. Malin reveals that due to Shelby's medical condition, her doctor advises her against having children. And Shelby's considered ending her engagement to her fiancé, Jackson, played by Della McDermott, uh, so he would not be deprived of children. Uh, Drum and his son find arrows and a crossbow. I, and <laughs> I would have... <laughs> built that relationship just a little bit more. I agree. And I would have made Dylan Mc... There's no conflict there, which is yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. But because there's no conflict, I would have made him just so much better of a guy than he was. Just like totally a 10 good. out of 10 um, and and not have any sense that like, you know, he was... That, that he was 
a conflict brewing or something. Mm-hmm. Just let's, that's not what this movie's about. So let's yeah. build it out and let us know that like she is, she is happy in that mm-hmm. part of her life. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I, I agree. He, he feels, um, Dylan just, <laughs> uh, just seems confused sort of most of the time. <laughs> like he just, he's sort of like in scenes, but he's I'm not fully. The room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He feels like yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. he feels very placeholder, good-looking enough guy mm-hmm. to me, and you know that's not really what I want out of a woman out, out of this moment um, with this character, um, especially knowing where this is going to go. Like I get that I, yeah. Sally feels going to pour her life into Jackson Jr., but yeah. he also will have a pretty big role here. <laughs> I think. I think like it's very. It's very. Um, you have two ways. You need to make him really great. Or you need to make him Jeff Daniels in terms of endearment. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. they don't want to go that way. But you can't just kind of hover in the middle. And, and I know they want to, I don't know, they want to say something about men and, and, and all of that. And I understand that. But I, I think it's more effective if he's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. He's at least invested enough to be like, I'm yeah. overwhelmed and I can't handle this. And I don't know. I, I also feel like it would help bolster, not to say, and we talked about this earlier, not to say that, that Julia Roberts wanting to have children isn't enough. But I think that if he was like the greatest guy ever, like you're saying, Kenny, and that she wants, you know, Good guy. Yeah, it just, it just helps, helps you understand why she's doing this that much more, you know? That's a, that's really good point. Like there's, um, yeah, it, it's hard it's hard to see why she's willing to risk everything for him. We don't spend enough time with him. We don't see any like outpourings of love or emotion. We hear yeah. what he tells her mm-hmm. uh, from her mouth, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. I understand that <clears throat> there are people who feel like, and I, I say this very broadly, any man will do. Right, the having a child or any sperm will do, and because to me that is a uh, atypical thought, you can't just kind of leave it there. You do you do want to explore that if that's what they're doing. And my sense is that seemed like what was happening here. That he was a little, you know, good. This we did we when we were talking about diner. In the '99 episode, there was kind of the opposite with a with Steve totally. Wittenberg's wife, which was like any woman will do that mm-hmm. gets you across that finish line. And if you're gonna go there, that is an unusual way to look at you know the institution of marriage, not mm-hmm. invalid, but unusual in a way that you know you probably should investigate it a little further than just kind of having it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's sort of like that TV trope of this person is a bad spouse, but it's funny. Like we're not going to get into how someone being a bad spouse is, has a negative effect on your life. It's just a punchline. Like, (laughs) Oh yeah, they're a terrible person. And then I can't count on them for anything. It's. (laughs) Oh my God. I had a totally different tip. I'm really looking forward to that show. Kevin can go fuck himself. That that really, that really does look like they're, they're going to go where you want them to go. (laughs) That seems like what's happening. Um, so at this point, uh, Weeza 
shows up, played by Shirley MacLaine. She arrives at the salon and immediately begins interrogating Anel about her background. And Anel talks about her no-good husband, Bunky. Again, great name. Uh, the most normal name. The most normal name. Uh, he's evading the police and has taken all their money and their car. She admits to that their marriage might not even be legal. Shelby invites her to the wedding reception where she meets bartender Sammy DeSoto. Um, and uh, then, then there's like this... I don't really know what the best way to describe it is. It's like a carnival situation with a beauty yeah, pageant. I don't know. I'm sure I, I don't some, know. They call it a festival. I'm yeah, sure. It's okay, sure, sure, sure. Local, festival. Local okay. Yeah. Uh, where we see Janine Turner uh, is is the beauty queen, a uh, very uh, very young Janine Turner. Uh, then we see young hot Sam Shepard as Dolly's husband, who might have the best name, Spud Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I mean, uh, so <laughs> Spike Jones is a pseudonym. Yes, a hundred percent. Spud Jones. I think he's very much influenced by Sam Shepard in Steel yes. Magnolias. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during the Christmas holidays, Shelby announces she's pregnant. Everyone's thrilled except Malin, who knows that it's risky. Um, say this. So this was this. This is something interesting on the on the Jackson front, which is that Shelby says that the baby will quote unquote help things in her marriage, which feels ominous to me in some way or another, as though there's something lacking in this marriage and she feels as though she has no choice but to do this to some degree or another, which is, I just wish that was unpacked. Like, I, I think that's interesting, but I, it's just kind of like put out there and then not followed up. It, it, it speaks to this middling that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big, yeah. it just hanging right over the plate there and they're just like, yeah. yeah. We're already two hours long. We'd <laughs> <laughs> um, then there's dancing. Yeah, I love that dance sequence. I, I like so oh, it's great. much. It's great. Oh, it's God, I love it. I like. I, I keep coming back to it. Like I'm ragging on it, but I'm absolutely not. As a, I love it. As a white person who loves to dance, uh, mm. it, those were some of my my kindred spirits out there. <laughs> you know, and with with proper training and the right music. We're not half bad. You too. You, you too, white you people. Too. <laughs> the dream. Um, the Clary, dream has, Clary has an amazing line uh, where she says, if you can't say anything nice about anybody, come sit near me. Which is a... Amazing line. It's an amazing line. It is a crib from a uh, quote. I was going to say, I've from, heard it somewhere. Um, from... Sorry, Teddy Roosevelt's daughter, Alice. Oh, okay. Um, let me look it up quick. Um, That's amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, Clary's, they're great. And I love them. Yeah. And gossiping is the best. <laughs> Wait, what? Um I mean, it's it's fine. It is. I mean, that's, that's no true. gossiping is the spice of life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh of her quotable comments, she was the last surviving child of Theodore Roosevelt. Of her quotable comments, Alice's most famous found its way to a pillow on her settee. If you can't say something good about someone, sit right here by me. Great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I someone should put it on a pillow. That <laughs> pillow. Like, obviously. Being, yes. Uh, form of friendship. It's true. Trust. And it is yes. such a, it is such, it is such a, 
bartenders and beauty salons like that is mm-hmm. that is where you go that's who has the information that who yeah. is that's who is really what you're really paying for is uh low-key therapy um mm-hmm. yeah you know, totally. they're, they're gonna know the information they're gonna keep all your secrets because they don't know any of the people that you know mm-hmm. it's just um there's just such a wonderful insight and into how insular this community is you know what's funny totally. maybe you guys can help me because you guys are movie experts <clears throat> i love the part where dolly parton tried to get um sally field to spill the tea about all the people who come and meet her as because sally field's a therapist and she's like come are you fucking kidding me therapist i'm in a movie therefore i don't tell you what my patients has there ever been a character a therapist character or one of the one of the characters in the three professions where you can't spill the beans i believe it's it's a therapist well it's doctor lawyer or clergyman but has there ever been one who just like spills the tea because i'm sure I'm not, I'm I don't sure know. I feel like that's like that is some sacred trust. That's a sacred thing in movies. It's like, yeah. well, they went to it. They they went to confession. Of course, the priest isn't going to say anything, as if the priest isn't a person. You know, I feel like I've definitely seen movies where people have overheard conversations. That doesn't not count. the same thing. Not the same that thing. But but I agree with you. It's it's. That, I, I I don't think I've seen that, that. Yeah, that really that all that does all that does is solidify the trope. That the only way this can get out is if someone happened here. <laughs> so, yeah. I think is, like you are at, you are absolutely playing with the, the the fabric of a society if you portray a therapist as going home and telling their spouse everything about what happened. Um, that is I, nightmare fuel. Uh, <laughs> You want to know what I'm Libby? not going to sleep tonight. I was just going to um, say, maybe we should cut this out because this is. Thi- <laughs> no, I'm not kidding, Phil. Imagine if you. Hey, look. Listen, I, 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 and I know it's. I know it's. I go not. to therapy. Oh, yeah. So but, do I. I don't think my therapist is. I, I, because you've been conditioned by years and years and years of pop culture to think that these people will always. I'm, now I'm being a dick. Now I'm like on some. You're absolutely being a dick. I'm being a dick. <laughs> I Remind just, me it, to tell you about the fish hooks. That's what you get off the air. Remind me to tell wow. you about the fish hooks. Oh no! Now I feel really. Oh good. no! Yeah. Um, so all right. Ready. So That's Truby encourages Malin to instead focus on the joy of this new baby. Uh, Shelby has a baby boy. She names it Jackson Jr. She gets a truly terrible haircut, aka a bad wig, for the remainder of the film. Um, I'm not entirely sure why she gets the haircut. She does it. She says so she can just like not have to deal with her hair. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. I'm not going to get over might. this fish hook t- tease. This is too much for me. <laughs> Listen, man, it was <laughs> ominous. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I, you know, I thought there was some kind of. Uh, I don't know that there was better explanation, but no. Um, Shelby then discovers that she's having kidney failure, which requires dialysis. She then shows her arm, which is gnarly, which is, I guess, essentially all the various tubes and things that she, that they have to put in you. Um, can I just say, and this is just, this is just a me thing. One of the things that scares me most is when I watch films with outdated medical technology. I don't know why that's such a trigger for me, but it really is. So like watching like the Nick was a night, that's nightmare fuel for me. Like that's, that's like for you. The Nick is not my show. Um, 
The Exorcist, as scary as it is when her head twists around, what's scarier is the test they do on her in the hospital as far as I'm concerned. So, you know what's anyway. really depressing to me <laughs> is like if you watch ER, for instance, sure, pretty much looks the same as now. Like they're yes. pretty much like we pretty much haven't done that much better in the, in the last 25, yeah. 30 years. I, I mean, I don't Even watch New Amsterdam, so I don't know. But like ER did span 16 seasons, so like that did show the progress Even in the of the beginning, medical, you know. It didn't feel like all that different from what a ER looks like right now. Where is Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Do you do you think our <clears throat> knowledge as lay people maxes out at some point and everything sort of looks <laughs> the same to us because we don't understand the 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 complexities that are going on. Um, yes. Is that, could that be part of this? this like, we have like a ceiling for the amount of like knowledge that we can retain. Sort of. Yes, definitely. But I would also say when we watch Liberty Heights, that looked like a hospital. So that hospital was in the forties and fifties. It was, uh, it was, it was Justin Chambers, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, Justin you Chambers. Justin. Justin Chambers is in the hospital. That looks like a hospital from the from the forties and fifties. And simple things like the the layout and the design and the way the pit's set up and all these things that when you have to go to the ER, you have to go to the hospital, you're like, this is woefully inefficient. They haven't gotten better at that stuff in the last 30 to 40 years. That's the stuff where I'm just, and and even when I take my kids to the pediatrician versus when I went to the pediatrician, it's the same drill. Like it's the same fucking drill that you Funny. went through in the same rooms with the same shit on the same tables, all the same stuff. The only difference is now they can get your temperature by you know putting it on your forehead. I got some. That's the only thing that's about new. Legacy journalism for you. Uh, <laughs> same shit. It's all like it's all institution, uh, all institutional. Anything. I think there is so much money. It's true. in maintaining the way things are as opposed to innovating. Um, I I, <clears throat> I totally agree with that. I will say this though: I do think that <laughs> I, I think we'd be. I think that the medical industry is growing in leaps and bounds, perhaps in ways that we're not particularly aware of. Like, I do think that we have made technological advancements. The leading yeah. edge. Yes. The yes. leading edge. Yes. yes. Obviously, like, to some extent, like, the, 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 there are medical breakthroughs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the far yeah. end. Either but for your mouse. rank of fat. We cloned a sheep. A, we cloned, that was, yo, that was 25 years that ago. That was crazy, man. right? That, we, that was a long time ago. I, I can't believe it. I want a clone person. But... Yeah. Uh, are we cloning anything else? Have we cloned? We've cloned other things, we're right? We're cloning everything. We're cloning things all the time. It, it has we, my name. We clone this all the time, Libby. You cloned Libby a the, what? They clone. They. I think they just cloned a ferret, and it, they gave it my name. Guys, <laughs> if you want your dog cloned, you can get that done. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. over. Yeah. You it's ever? Over. Hear, I, I can't believe we're talking about cloning right now, but I'm going to just a quick sidebar on cloning. You ever listen to the uh, or watch the This American Life? So This American Life had a Showtime show very briefly, which they stopped yes, doing because it was incredibly hard to do. Um, and they did an episode about this guy who loved this bull, that he cloned the bull, and then that bull gored him. And he was just like, 
this isn't the same bull. And they're like, genetically, it's the same bull, but it's not the same bull. (laughs) Like it's going to be a little different. Um, But yeah, I just, my, my whole thing is when I watch something like this movie, uh, Oh, there's the clone. Yeah. That's the the versus nurture Phil. Oh, hundred percent. But then it's like when I watch the the scene when uh, Julie Roberts dies in in this film, or or the scene in um, wow. in terms of endearment, I think to myself, of course they died. Look at the medical technology back then; it's a miracle anybody lived ever. That's I feel you. My feel you. my fears. My fears. Um, anyway, all that being said, her. Uh, <laughs> then hey, uh, we now we go on this show. Then you know, Adele has. You know a, what this feels like to me. You ever play Zelda when you were a kid? <laughs> you no. Know? I mean, I'm playing Breath of the Wild right now, so. Let's but say you yes. know, I'm talking about. Oh, so but yes, you were like yes, a kid, kid. You know about like Legend of Zelda. Remember before you you get into the castles, but before you get the map, you're just <laughs> in the black. You're just going from room to room. There is a map somewhere, but you don't know it. That's what I'm this podcast is for me. We're always in the black. Yeah. Like there is like except either. I have a map. It's in front of me. It's just I don't always get to it. You have a map. I don't. So I. So maybe there's a different analogy then. You you are you are in the back seat, dry, like telling me where to go, and I have my fingers in my ears. Correct. It's like an amazing race challenge. Right. Like you're trying yeah. to like. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to get the other person through the maze. They can't see yeah. them. It's um, so yeah, we horrible. would be a funny, amazing oh race team. Oh you and boy, I. podcast partners. I don't know if they've done that before. <laughs> they haven't done that one yet. All right, I'll Griffin and David also would be Martin. amazing uh, on the Amazing Race. Uh, Anel uh, becomes <laughs> deeply religious after a wild streak, annoying everybody, including Sammy. Uh, around Jackson's first birthday, Shelby undergoes a successful transplant with Malin's donated kidney. Um, Shelby recovers, but four months later, Jackson arrives home. She's unconscious. She's comatose. She has an inf- again having contracted an infection in her central nervous system due to a suppressive therapy that kept her body from ejecting the kidney. None of that information is delineated to us, but that's what happens to her. Um, after the doctors determine that Shelby's condition is irreversible, the family decide to remove her from life support. Again, the conversation isn't had. All we see is Dylan McDermott sign a piece of paper that we're supposed to just assume is is to to pull the plug. Um, then we have this scene with Dolly and and Sam Shepard in the hair. I don't hair want to yada. This is the movie, right? This is yeah. like, yeah. this is. Can you imagine? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of an open question. That's the biggest nightmare to me in in, in a lot of ways. Not just sure. losing your kid. Obviously, that's you know that's 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 the classic worst thing that can happen. But thinking that you had figured it out and thinking yeah. that you had you know. That, that you had averted a disaster and it cost you a kidney and all that stuff. And then having it fail and feeling like that, I, I would really feel at that point, like responsible, you know, I, I know you're not, I know no one's responsible. Yeah. That's the way things go. But like at that point, I'd feel like maybe if it was someone else's kidney and I'm the mother and I, that, that, that really, that all kind of hurt me in my heart very much. The, the Sally Fields, state of mind at that point um actually okay <laughs> hold hold on so, i just hope this is more fair research no 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 no, no. <laughs> this is kidney this is this is haircut yeah, no, i know i was just messing. i think <laughs> it's so she comes in to get her hair cut off because and then that's when we find out they're going to do the transplant 
back in the 80s, speaking about dated medical technology, I don't know how invasive kidney transplants were. So it may be a situation where she couldn't put her arms above her head to do things with her hair, especially Uh, since it was so long. I I don't have anything to back that up. That makes a lot of sense. That sounds right, though. But That sounds right. I I guess this all kind of... This and this 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 uh, goes to your point as well, Kenny. And again, I don't I, this I, I don't mean this to sound uh, judgmental necessarily or critical of the film, but I do think that this is sort of the one area where I do feel like the movie is is really riding emotion, right? It's riding a vibe, and it doesn't it doesn't want to rock the boat with too much medical jargon and too much sort of like medical stuff, which I totally get. And clearly the movie works without all of this. Um, at the same time, to your point, Kenny, this idea of like feeling the responsibility and, and, and sort of feeling that weight. I'm not saying that I don't feel it on Sally Field's part, but I do kind of wish that maybe I, I guess what I'm getting at is I kind of wish that I saw a scene with both of them going into surgery to have, you know what I mean? To, to have the, the kidney surgery. I'm surprised like, you didn't. That, that you know what I mean? Like I kind of wish a, that yeah. I felt that bond. I felt that moment of like a piece of her being put into her daughter to save her life. Like I, I feel like that could have been underlined a little bit more. And again, movie totally works without it. I'm just, I'm just, you know, really spitballing more than anything. I think, I actually think that plays into a lot of, what Kenny's talking about. Like there wasn't a big conversation about it. We didn't see a lot about it. It was thrown off as though it wasn't a big deal in the, in the beauty shop because of course it's not a big deal. Of course, one's going to give her a kidney. One's going to give her both kidneys. One's going to give her her, yeah, her everything. heart yeah, yeah. and her, uh, you know, her circulatory system, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I again, <laughs> uh, Phil, I, I think you'll find if you watch the film, uh, 40 or 50 times uh, <laughs> a lot of the nuances become more sure. obvious so sure. you'll see <laughs> I'm sure that's true affect all of these boxes um but no and and I think I think what what really gets me about um the hospital th- scene and again what Kenny was talking about is the the fact that at that point Malin's completely out of control like she has no yeah. say because Shelby has gotten married. She's not the next of kin. Like she has to just go off of whatever, whatever Jackson decides this kind of low key a-hole that her daughter married that we don't know anything about. Um, And like he, he decides what happens to her daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just this very quiet tragedy of it being taken, of it not being in her hands anymore. That kind of is a summation of, I guess, parenthood, how I perceive parenthood. Sure. Um, yeah, it kills me. I think that's, and, and I don't mean to suggest that everything you're saying isn't there. And I do believe if I watched it 50 times, I probably would see all the new ones that you're talking about. But, but that's I did just, not. I, and that's not I know, what I'm trying to say. I know. I'm not. I know. I'm I, know, not, I, know. Um, I, know. I didn't think you were. You, yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm saying, just, oh, yeah. no, this nailed it. Like, yeah. you just don't understand how to watch <laughs> this movie. Sure, sure. No, it's you say something, Kenny. No, I mean, I you know, my my daughter just came in, so you know, throughout <laughs> it slammed case, the door. Apparently, yeah, she said, "Go fuck yourself, Dad." <laughs> I'm getting high on meth and taking the car. <laughs> oh Jesus! Um, she said, uh, <laughs> she said nothing. She wrote, she wrote me a note. But you what, but me and Ryland made a list of what we want to do in Chicago. That's her cousin. Huh? Each hmm. other in a year and a half. 
But, you know, Phil and I, we had, you and I had a conversation about something not so dissimilar about this. Now, we were talking about control over our own lives and our own destinies. But, and, and, and how I kind of find comfort in letting go. Right. In the the ability to kind of let go and let the things you can't, and just, you know, this comes from being a recovering alcoholic too, I think, but finding comfort in letting in the thing in letting the things that you can't control sort themselves out mm-hmm. um, actually makes me, you know, it, it gives me power is a word. I mean, it gives me comfort. It gives me a sense of control over what I can actually control. And that's a hard thing to process over the course of a life, right? That's a hard thing to process. So when you have kids, yeah, I, I, I you know, based on my particular experiences and what I've been through, I feel kind of well suited to kind of let them figure it out on their own. Sure. But, um, but we'll see how that goes as they get older and they start making really bad decisions. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly possible. You know, I don't it's want to say happen. math and cars. You, you, but. Well, no, you've met my children, so you know it's it's on its way. But um, it's yeah. So I want to ask another question about this mm-hmm. movie. Um, how you know I don't do any homework for this like Phil does. So this is all off the top of the head. So be uh, be kind. Um. Let's, I'm, I'm going to put it out here very, very clearly uh, with all the, you know, caveats in footnotes. Um, what purpose does a movie like this serve? Which is to say, this movie, what, what, movie, what purpose do movies about horrible tragedies that rip your heart apart serve um, why aren't they successful? And why are some of them, not all of them? I mean, there are movies like Hotel Rwanda and Schindler's List you'd never want to watch again. Um, or like 12 Years a Slave, like you'd never want to watch again, or at least I wouldn't want to watch again. But this movie, in terms of endearment and other movies about these more domestic kind of tragedies, um, are highly rewatchable. So what is it about that feeling that uh, that we keep coming back to and what purpose does mm-hmm. like vicarious tragedy serve uh, for, you know, a group of people or, or one person or anything. I mean, I, I, I have sort of a gut answer or one that sort of came to mind immediately, which is something like six feet under, which is my favorite sure. show um, <clears throat> is serves kind of two purposes for me personally. You know, Kenny and I, Kenny was alluding to a conversation we had the other day, um, you know, just lightly talking about existentialism and death um, and all of the things that scare as the shit out of me, as one does. Um, and I think what Six Feet Under does very well, and I think to a certain degree this film does too, is um, makes you face your fears a little bit, at least for me. Um, and also, you know, reconfirms how special the time we have on this planet is. And I think that there's something very, that, that life affirming quality, um, unlike something like, I mean, personally speaking, I, I quite like Schindler's List and I've watched it many times, but I think that 12 Years a Slave would probably be a better example of a film that, that that's a tough watch. Uh, not to say that Schindler's List isn't, but like, you know, I think that, that this film or, or, 
first of all, who doesn't love a good cry? I think that crying is super healthy, and I think that everybody just needs to sometimes cry. Um, I but like I really a good happy cry. Well, I like both. Quite frankly, That's hard. I don't. Okay, no, I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. Keep going. My point. My point is that I think that the idea of of these films, why these films are perennial and rewatchable, has more to do with. Um, I mean, this film is just chock full of characters you just want to spend time with, right? Like you just want to hang out in trubies. So, like, there's that. But I do think that, um, and you guys very cleanly and smartly said it earlier when we were talking about that the article that we all both loved, all loved from the Atlantic. Um, <laughs> the the idea of that this film is about life goes on. This film is about the circle of life. You know, this film ends with them racing to the hospital to deliver, you know, Anel's child. So like, this is, this film does a great job, I think anyway, of, of making you see the circle of life and that, you know, death is part of life. And, and I don't think that's necessarily, they don't think it's necessarily something to be scared of. Um, I don't know. Do you have, what do you, what do you think Libby? Why do you think you've watched uh, it 50 times? I think it's, I think it's twofold. Um, I think it's very offensive that we haven't called out Anel as the worst name because that's the <laughs> it's, worst it's, name. A ter- it's a terrible name. <laughs> it's, it's so close to being a name. It's so close to Annabelle or... Anal? Like, it really could go either <laughs> way. so close to being a name or an insult. It's true. Yeah. Why not both? It's real um, bad. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the first one is uh, uh, the first. Do you watch horror movies? Yes, nope. and yes, and I and, and I agree with this answer that I, I feel like where you're going. Uh, I as a woman, uh, as an anxious woman, <laughs> who's been anxious from from a very and a woman from a very young age, um, I visualize things. Uh, horrible situations, horrible, horrible situations, situations you'd never want to be in, um, to plan an escape, to plan what's coming next, to uh, game the system, to try and figure out how you can get out of something alive, how you can get out of uh, something safely. Like, what what are you going to do? What could you do? Um, I think that's why sometimes people watch apocalypse movies. Uh you want to stare the worst thing in the face and you want it. Or contagion during a pandemic. For right. Instance. You want to know you can get through it. You want to, you want to build up a callus over mm-hmm. it. So yes. if God forbid that happens to you, you have a plan. That's not actually how life works. Like if, if, if I had a child and my child, you know, had a, had a, life-altering disease like stale magnolias won't have helped me prepare for that but it's this weird human thing that i think some people do to pretend like they do have control over things like this um and then yeah it is that sense of community it's that sense of even if the worst thing in the world happened to me i would hope that i had uh, a safety net of people who were there willing to suffer with me to, to let me scream at them, to cry with me, to, to do whatever I need them to do or not do to, to see me through it. Um, so it's, it's really, it, 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 it's, it's, it's twofold. Um, 
Now, I don't know if that's why I was watching it. I was like 12. Um, it was puberty, though, so there were a lot of hormones going on, so it's entirely possible. Um, but yeah. That's I want to expand on both of those things you said. <clears throat> the first one, uh, I think I've said on this podcast before, but the thing my son said about horror movies that always stuck with me is he claims he likes horror movies, doesn't really, but... When he was really young, super young, five, I said, Rollins, why do you like horror movies? And he said, because they make you brave. Um, which, you know, I've extended to dreams as well, to nightmares. Um, of course, Steel Magnolias will not help you deal with the, um, you know, the, with your child having disease. But what it will do and what a horror movie will do is help you not have to constantly think about it. It's exposure therapy. So this only exists, these things, these horror movies and these, you know, kind of end of life weepies um, exist to expose you to these horrible things. So your mind doesn't have to come up with it on there on your own. So that helps in one way. The other thing, and a place where I thought you were going in terms of community that I think is a really good feeling is crying together with people and saying, I too loved Shelby. You know, I too went there, felt the thing you felt. My shared experience with you is that Shelby meant something to me. And when Shelby died, it hurt. My experience with you is that I, you know, felt Sally Fields, Malin's pain when, you know, she lost a child. You did too. Now I'm connecting with you on that. And that's, those are to me. And I asked the question open-ended because I, I'm working through it, to be honest. Like, I don't really, I don't love writing stuff with downer endings. Um, I just, I, I just don't love doing it. It seems performative in a way to me um, to see how like, you know, tough and, and macabre and maudlin and miserable you can be. And it seems like a relic from a different time, you know, um, but they clearly serve a purpose. They cl- clearly matters to you know, have this shared experience that we're all going to be okay because we saw Jason kill you know seventeen teenagers and we all survived and walked out. Um, so I do. I think yeah. I think Libby, you kind of and Phil, you kind of helped me walk through that. Thanks, guys. I, I no. I, I think that's yeah. I mean, I, I agree with everyone. That um, yeah, community is a big thing. You know that you're sort of talking about Kenny. That idea of a of a communal sort of you know, it's obviously what we've been what we've been missing for for the past you know year now. Why well, I miss um, being in theater so much? Yeah, that that yeah. So it's 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 interesting that the there is something for sure about the exposure therapy for me as well. I mean, I, I don't go to horror movies because I'm too anxious. As I just I don't need that in my life. But you know, you should. You would like it. I nope. will say <laughs> they're not going to hurt you. I will say that we haven't had the physical community, and yet this last year has. It has been a weird leveler. Uh, I had to do last Emmy season uh, mm. virtually. So, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be sitting down with uh, someone intimidating um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it'd be like, wow, is it this, like, with this, what, what is happening here? Like this, yep. can you believe we're yeah. all living through that? Like there was, it was just, um, it, it was just a, a playing field leveler because I agree with that 100%. this was something 
we all did together for better or worse. And, and I think uh, it, 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 it humanized a lot of people as well. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think I'm Gal not the Gadot. biggest. I was, I am, I am not the biggest yeah. Jimmy Fallon fan in the world, but I got to say that when his show was at home and his daughters were involved in his various tonight show antics or what have you, or, or just would basically take over the show. There was something very endearing about that. Um, I, I think that, you know, there, yes, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I think also, and this folds into what, what we're talking about, you mentioned, you know, I don't know why I watched it when I was eight years old as many times as I did. And I wonder if it has something to do with something that I would do, which is, and I still do this. I love camaraderie. I love a big sprawling cast. I love a whole group of people together working towards a common goal. It's one of the reasons that I love Aaron Sorkin's shows as much as I do putting that, you know, put whatever, you know, you might have about against that. You understand sort of what I'm getting at, right? I, I love wonder super if teams. I love uh, the dream team, the you right? know, the ninety two yeah. dream team. You just like people who are good at their jobs. So, it's, so great. it's like the yeah. oceans movies. Like I just yeah. want you know, yeah. People I want to believe that all these people out. like exactly. each other. Right? Exactly. Oh. So yeah. for me, it's you're, just you're like friends with that guy. Oh. <laughs> that's what I wanted for both of you. But it's but it's like true. You know but I your also to David Earl like really is great for me. Like I'm, oh, that's all. Yeah, it's it's just, like a, it just makes it's everything like a better. Super team. I love yeah. that. But I but I, I do I think that <laughs> is that true? He's in New well, York. There's different very, coasts. There's yeah. Very two different. Well, sure. in the pandemic, but there is very there's a very significant divide between IndieWire film and IndieWire TV, which mostly has to do with coasts. Um, no. because they're well, like 98% in New York and we are 98, 100%. Let me know if you two become better friends. It'll make me feel good. I will. I promise. But, but can <laughs> I, my, my, I want to sort of, uh, I have a theory in terms of the camaraderie thing too. And I'm, I'll speak for myself here, but you know, a lot of the films when I was a kid, um, and it's not to say that I didn't have friends. I had friends. I, you know, whatever. But like these people, be, the movies you loved became your friends, right? So that idea of like, some of my favorite films were just about like, hanging out with this group of people as they all worked in the same space together or all friends with each other. Um, and I wonder if that made them rewatchable for me in a way that other films weren't. I mean, contextually, you have to know that at this time, my favorite TV shows were like Golden Girls, Designing sure, Women. Sure. Like there, was a, like, there was absolutely a theme of like right, right. sassy women hanging out together. Like it, it was like I was born under a certain star sign and I was always going to end up <laughs> being this person. Um, right. Baby B. You, Arthur is what I like. You and to. so many people I know though. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah but most they, of them I mean, are gay men. So it's, it's different. It's different. Women. It's different for I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's so embarrassing because every once in a while in a room, like someone will start just talking designing women, and I don't know what is going on. Oh, God. You know, and that's I feel my, like so, yeah, someone was dropping one of the characters. What was like Delta's Burke Burke Delta Suzanne. Burke's character? Suzanne Sugarbaker. Yes. So someone was dropping Suzanne Sugarbaker as a character reference, and I'm just like, oh, that's that sounds like a funny southern name. <laughs> you know? I totally get what's happening here. This makes perfect sense to me. All right, just text yeah. me. I just text me next time. I can. I absolutely <laughs> will. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I I think that this film really taps into like just hard taps that vein of just you know hanging out with a group of sassy you know independent women and 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 sort of the men they love i guess a little bit um even though all their men seem kind of dopey but that's fine whatever 
I mean, that feels feels right. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. I actually was like legitimately unclear as to what was going on with the, like what was going on there. <laughs> unclear as to whether there was some sort of no he's just disability uh, (laughs) just just that dad disability um that's that's fair that's fair tell me about it i I didn't want to be the one to say it kenny but (laughs) but um yeah it's uh it's it's a great movie i mean i i i'm i'm thrilled that uh that i got to watch it i kind of don't know why i didn't watch it sooner um, I, I but, do. Uh, no offense. Stigma. <laughs> stigma. There's a stigma. We 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 yeah. we hinted on it, but like, I I do think, or at least hope, at least in the circles that I run in, that there that this kind of stigma doesn't exist anymore. You know, yeah. people went and saw Little Women in a way that people didn't yeah. see the '94 Little Women when I was younger. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, it exists. It's just not as you know virulent as it was. But mm-hmm. yes, this is a real thing. It's, it's, but it is one of those things where I can see every reason why someone would hate it. Like, so, so it's not like I can get why it wouldn't work for someone if you think Sally Field is too much. If you, if you think the hair is too big. No, I know. It's crazy. It just, I can (laughs) see why someone would have a very reactive reaction to it, um, which is why I don't recommend it to people. But yeah, I, I unabashedly love it. It seems like some of the reviewers who didn't like it would say the play is amazing and this doesn't hold up. And that's certainly a criticism that I can't speak to, Mm -hmm. but it seemed that that one seems valid and from the right place outside of that, you know, I I want to just say one other quick thing that I think might feed into this a little bit. Um, you know, these are larger than life characters, right? I mean, and you know, there's the, the Southern component. These are very big characters. Um, in the wrong hands with the wrong cast, this thing tips and becomes caricature, right? Like where, where it all just doesn't work. And that's the high wire act of this movie. And that's why this movie is kind of the miracle that it is, right? Which is that the right people were brought together. The right people were let off the chain to do what they had to do. But I could understand people watching this film today. You know, if you put this film in front of a younger person, for instance, younger than us, and said, and, you know, they might be like, what the, why is everyone talking? Like, like, why is it, why is everyone acting like this? Like it, it could seem like too much. And, and that, sort of taps into the theatricality component of it as well, right? Which is that these performances on the stage, I imagine, are different than they are on the screen. But I mean, I still loved it. I mean... Um, Did you guys do any research into the play? Not really. No. Don't? Uh, Should I have? originated the role of Truvy? No. uh, On stage? I I think I did read this, but no. Margo Martindale. Oh, wow. That's pretty rad. <laughs> always crazy. Always crazy when that comes up because it happens all the time where you're like, oh, yes, Margot Martindale had a career, like a long, successful career before yeah. I knew who she was, believe before it or not. Before she became character actress, Margot Martindale. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's awesome. That's Did pretty awesome. Movie? And I could, t- I can absolutely see it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. Um, shall we rate this, Kenny? We shall. Would you, uh, would you like to go first? Yes, I will. I will go first. Um, I uh, so I'm gonna. I never saw this before, uh, <laughs> so I have no rating before. 
um, lied often said I did, um, but I will tell you the truth. Never did before. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know why Libby's shaking her head. I'm being honest, Libby. I'm just, I'm telling the truth. Now? Pod- He's fessing up now. For this fessing podcast, up. I gave it a 79. I'm going to go up to an 84. Um, I think it's a great film. It's, it's melodramatic. Uh, it is not, I think the things, I think some of Phil's criticisms about the skating over some things that I don't think should be skated over uh, are clear. I think the emotion is overwhelming in a good way. I think the performances are incredible. Um, Steel Magnolias. (laughs) 84 is where I'm going. Um, I had not seen this film before, as, as, I, as I mentioned. Uh, I came into the podcast a little lower than you, Kenny. I came in at a 72, um, but you guys brought me up to an 82. Um, I think it's, um, I think that I was, I don't want to say that I was too hard on it, but I think that I was a little too, uh, I got in the weeds on it rather than, understanding the emotion of it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that I was a little too critical and I got a little too mired in the details that I was talking about. And talking it through with you guys, I think I was able to sort of tap into what this film is really getting at. Um, you know, Sometimes with like films, and I would consider this a classic film. Yeah. Sometimes with classic films that you were not there for, that, they, yeah. that you were not on the boat with in the beginning... Uh, it's hard to like to to eat to to engage with them, and often like I kind of felt like this with Diner a little bit. I have seen Diner, but I hadn't seen it in twenty years. I kind of felt a little bit like this is the movie you're all fucking crazy about. Um, but so I understand. But I think having a conversation about these movies, particularly with someone who's super into it, you know, has been down with it for a long time helps you to understand why a movie like this is so resonant. Well, it's, it's similar to sort of what happened for me with, um, with major league, <laughs> you know, obviously <laughs> very different, but um, you know, again, I, I just didn't get it. It just like was a movie that I just didn't get. And then I came on a podcast with Kenny and his friends and was berated for two hours. And by the end, I really understood why I'm you. kidding. I'm kidding. Just goofed I'm kidding. around. I'm absolutely joking. No, expense. truly. At my expense. No, I, I, I truly believe that that conversation helped me unearth having not been on that train right. when it left the station. It allowed me to be like, okay, I get it now. And I think talking obviously with you, Libby, about this um, helped me unpack and get to a place where it's like, okay, you, you got to kind of roll with this movie a little bit more. So anyway. you, you can't fight the undertow. You, you know, yeah, you, have yeah. to, you have to let it carry you along otherwise you're just yeah. gonna tire yourself out and, and not enjoy yeah. any of it um so, so what funny. did you think uh in obviously you gave this like 99 back in 89 i'm assuming right no, i no, mean no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, let, let me say it's so funny that you say this because i have a friend who insists that every uh, all new movies are better than old movies because he just refuses to like do the go along <laughs> he's like it's all racist it's all worse quality wow. I'm like, well, what all about right. the acting or the writing and he's like no I was like, he's like, it's still, I was like, you're a crazy person and I can't argue. Yeah, that's crazy. About this. That's crazy. Um, but he just watched Diner and he despised it. So that's <laughs> perfect. About that. uh, so in 1989, uh, mm. I mean, I probably first saw it in like 92 or 93. Sure. Um, it was 100, obviously. Uh, <laughs> yes. Best movie of all time. Sure. Uh, give or take a look who's talking, I guess. Um, Fair. Another Olympia Dukakis joint. <laughs> <laughs> Another 89. <laughs> Lover. 
Yeah, another, uh, movie, another movie that Phil came around to over the course of the podcast. Yeah. Yes. I started, I'm like, guys, what are we talking about here? And then by the end, I was like, oh, this movie's actually a masterpiece. Oh, God, that's fucking amazing. That's fucking amazing. Okay. So coming into it, I, I coming into the podcast, I was probably... <laughs> 98. 100. <laughs> I love that. And uh, by the end, uh, you guys sucked all the love out of it for me. Aww. And now it's coming in at a 45. No. Uh, by the end of the podcast, it's it's 100. Like, I can't, I can't, I'm really sorry because I know this. No, don't. But I, I just can't. It doesn't. Well, only, really because no. we, only because we only go up to 99. But I, I think that you, oh, right, should, you should keep it I at 100. Keep 100. it at 100. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, we we well we go with your heart ninety nine because I because I don't want to screw up our our letterbox. But okay, aside from <laughs> but you could be a hundred all day long. You could be a hundred. Oh, it's great. I am. It's great. I I just I there's I'm just not going to be able to be reasonable about that film. This is just there's just certain things that are just Teflon and. This is your, Kenny came into Major League with the exact same thing. Kenny said, this movie's perfect. It's at 99. It's 99 across the board. Um, I can't be, I can't be critical of this film. And yeah, so there you go. There are a bunch of them at 89. And then this is kind of why we love doing this version of the podcast. Because the the 99s, I mean, even the ones we love, we, we approach with like a critical and analytical eye. These 89s just like are they, they're they're just birthed from like our soul. Yeah, they're just in our DNA. Feeling, yeah. no, hundred like, percent. Feel we're doing. There are a few that Phil are just like, you know, fabulous beggar boys. He just he can't yeah, be when Harry met Sally. Yeah. about yeah. when yeah. Harry met Sally. Both films that are amazing films. But it's yeah, fun. it was it's, it's fun it's, to it's, talk the, about like like yeah. heart movies. By that I mean movies. Well, they're also just like they're movies you grew up on, so it's just it's a different. It just it's a different muscle. Um, But yeah, uh, I mean, it should go without saying. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my god, thank you so much for having me. This was the best time. Look how much more fun I am when I like a movie. Um, So much more fun. Actually, probably less fun. Sorry, you're always fun. No, you're always fun. Um, But this, I'm just. I I mean, as I said up top, I'm just happy to have you on for a movie that you. Full-throatedly yeah, wanted to talk you're about much more fun without your wife, which we. I know. I, well, I mean, I get that a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you make choices. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for coming on, and and maybe there's another eighty-nine. I'll send you, you know, I'll send you the list, and and maybe there's something else you can come on for because we would I love, love it. that. I'll check awesome. it out. All right, All right. thank you, Libby. I like it. Just podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.